to entertain you, we'll sing your songs. Hey there, are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. And welcome to another episode of Horror Movie Night. This week we are talking about the the conclusion to the trilogy until a couple years ago when they made a fourth one, uh, <laughs> Scream Three. As you know, sometimes we have guests. We are honored to have the director of You Might Be the Killer, Brett Simmons, on the show because he made a far better meta horror film than Scream Three. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, first of all, thank you. Um, I debated just being totally silent so that it just sounded like no one was actually here and that you guys were like liars, but I couldn't do that to you. I couldn't do it. I mean, there is one thing that Scream 3 has that unfortunately you might the killer it might be the killer doesn't have, and that's uh Creed in the soundtrack. So <laughs> Oh no. This movie kicks off with some what if. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. makes me wonder what if I put on any other movie? <laughs> Get out. <laughs> It's funny, like we actually called Creed about writing like a You Might Be the Killer song, but they were just, they're too busy. Just way too busy. <laughs> you <laughs> might they, be a liar. Yeah. They were like, here's the number for Alter Bridge. Give them a shot. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, you couldn't get uh, Creed or Alter Bridge, so you like got Godsmack. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Smash Mouth actually was like, they were, like really like close. <laughs> so right out the gate this movie kicks off we got cotton weary he's in his car he's driving he's talking on a, with car, a phone. car phone yeah which like i have a note that's like because full disclosure it had been a long time since i had watched this movie because it's garbage but i'm like they have it's like 2000 when this movie came out right yeah he yeah. has a cell phone he has <laughs> wow, a cell phone was but it, was it 2000 wow yeah 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 <laughs> 
But I was like so confused because I'm thinking in 2000, even me in rural Ohio, I had a fucking cell phone. This L.A. <laughs> douchebag didn't. It's safer, Scott. You guys can't mock him for being safe. <laughs> no, but we can mock him for being like the quintessential stereotypical celebrity that we hate, which kills me because like, like Scream opens like the most relatable like character. You're just like, wow, yeah, this is cool. I get this. I Oh, yeah. Okay, wow. And then this one, you're just like, I have no idea the life that this guy leads. I have no <laughs> idea who this jerk is. I just hate him. And he's like on the phone with like his agent. <laughs> This movie tried to warn us, and all we did, all we did, was just mock it, and we shat on it. I mean, the the writer of this movie, the whole basis of this movie is about Hollywood perverts and them taking advantage of young girls for gain, and it is produced by the Weinstein brothers. This guy yeah. put his neck on the line to be like, yo, my boss is fucking disgusting, and we're like, oh, this is the worst of the trilogy. Yeah. I mean, he could have done a better job. It makes it more uncomfortable, actually, that it's produced by the Weinsteins, and that's the pro- yeah. like the plot premise. I, I remember there was a time in my life where I was like, oh, Scream 3 isn't good, but it is so much better than Scream 2. And man, yep. my opinions have changed over the years greatly. Yeah. I <laughs> totally agree with that. I totally I used to, I used to like hate Scream 2 and thought Scream 3 was way better. And now I completely agree. Revisiting them, I'm like, wow, Scream 2 is actually so much better and 3 is total garbage. <laughs> like, it's, it's the worst of, the, of them. It's yeah, still it's, a fun movie. Hot <laughs> take. It goes, it goes. We're gonna settle it here, just so everyone knows. This is not a this is not a draft or a debate. It's just a fact. It goes scream, scream four, scream two, scream three. If you don't think scream four is great, I will fight all of you. And then scream three, it's just it. It's it's got a lot of holes. I, I'll say that. Well, like like on top of that, it's also like like. It's taking meta to the point where it's just making fun of itself. Where it's like, look at all the great cameos we got. We got oh, Jay yeah. and Silent Bob. Yeah, <laughs> why is Jay and Silent Bob in this movie? Like, why yeah, is that a thing? No and then Jenny McCarthy like is playing a character, but the whole time they're like, "But isn't it cool as Jenny McCarthy?" And I feel like she, <laughs> I feel like she's practically like winking at the camera like every take, just like, "Oh, I'm so scared." Hey, everybody! <laughs> it's so meta. It is it the most horrible. meta of the movies. But I, but I like yeah. it how it's it's very self-aware and fucking even uh, Jenny McCarthy's character is making a joke about her character being so lame that she's in the third. She's just appearing now in the third of the stab movies. See, but right. I think right. I think like the best meta joke in the whole movie and I mean, just super underutilized is Parker Posey. But I love away, Parker yeah. Posey. Jumping yeah. all the way to the end where she's about to be killed and she's like, you can't kill me. I'm the killer in Stab 3. <laughs> like, yeah. like, that's the best meta joke in the whole movie, probably. <laughs> and a lot yeah. of the other ones just fall flat. Like, the Carrie Fisher scene is really uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, I hated it. Yeah. So bad. This it's movie so painful. This movie should have been 90 minutes long. Probably. And <laughs> this is a long watch. It Wait, was a long what's, the, what's the runtime on it again? Was it's it like an two hour hours? and fifty-five? Oh my god! Yeah, it's almost two hours. Uh, my 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 biggest quarrels with this movie are the mom flashbacks, which we could have axed. Yeah, yeah. And the lack of you know, there's a lot of scenes where they are talking in the ghost voice, and he is clearly not holding up the 
device to change well, his voice. That's the thing. I don't like the I don't like the ghost face voice in this movie. I hate that he has some stupid I can sound exactly like anybody voice device. Yeah, that's that, pretty magical. Yeah, like, like where is that? Like, remember when they did Home Alone two, and then the talk boy became a real thing? How come Scream three didn't launch that as a real thing? Because right. it's not possible. <laughs> yeah, because it's impossible. That's why? I mean, then, do you realize like, what kind of trouble we'd be in in the world if anyone could buy a voice changer that just let them sound like whoever they wanted? Like, we, we could be, we could be calling like other countries as Donald Trump. <laughs> I mean, it's I don't horrible. think that they'd take us any less seriously than they take him. Uh, yeah. This, but like this movie just has they keep updating so much shit. Like even Nick Cave's Red Right Hand is like a completely new version that's not as good as the original version of Red Right Hand. Like, yeah, I don't get how they fucked up so much stuff, and it's just it's just well, I was, in the face with it. Like, yeah, I was reading something interesting, like revisiting it, and then just knowing we were all going to be talking about it. I was really shocked this time at how much. Um, because I I also haven't watched it forever, and I I didn't realize how little Sydney's in it. Like there are yeah. so many scenes without Sydney. Like I love Patrick Warburton to death, but he gets his he's just a bodyguard who gets his whole like death scene. And I was like, what's going on? And I I was reading this thing they were saying in the trivia notes on IMDb that like I guess in Nev Campbell's contract she only agreed to do it by like contractually having like a minimal number of days. Or huh. like they basically they're like you have to we have you have to shoot me out in twenty days, but they didn't want the schedule to be like that short, so they just truncated her role and just started yeah. like putting a bunch of stuff on other characters. Which I'm like, well, I mean, if the lead of your movie says I only want to be in this for twenty days, like maybe the goal is really to just not make the movie, <laughs> <laughs> or don't make a two hour slasher. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly. It's just like it goes on. For so long. When they put so much on the shoulders of Courtney Cox and David Arquette to carry this movie. Right. And like, I love both of those characters, but they are side characters and you can't build a whole film around them. Well, you know what? I I think it was a product of the time, too, because did you guys know this was the first movie they did as a married couple? Yes. I did know that. Yeah. (laughs) But they don't have any chemistry. They have... (laughs) zero and there was this meme that went on i mean courtney cox arquette if you're listening i don't mean to offend you but there was there was this meme that came out that was of like courtney cox's of hair in all four of the movies <laughs> and just like did you see that he i sent it. it to them yeah <laughs> <laughs> it was so dude i was dying i showed it to my wife i was like hey remember how much you love friends yeah the the one that the one that i sent them is of her awful bangs and it says um if you ever feel like shit just remember courtney cox's hair in scream three yeah that's it's really true like she struck out in every single one of these movies with her hair and but i do think like what's weird about scream three is i remember when scream one came out i like have such a vivid memory of the experience like watching that movie in the theater two i don't but then three, three goes up there with Lethal Weapon four for me, where I was in the theater packed full of fans watching this movie and everyone was like screaming and I did not like the movie, but I was sitting there going like, hey, you know what? I think this movie's actually probably pretty good. 
wow, everyone loves this. And I got so swept up by this movie that I left going, I may have just seen the greatest film of all time. <laughs> and then well, yeah, I, re- I rewatched it. And I was like, I could not be more wrong. <laughs> in, in your defense, Randy does basically tell us that Scream is among the greats as Godfather and Return of the Jedi when he's talking about great, oh, gosh. great trilogy. And they had to fucking shoehorn in his character because he's the fan favorite. That was actually that's the thing that I remember the most because I'm pretty sure I saw this in theaters as well, but it wasn't like a packed house or anything like that. But um, that just has always bugged the shit out of me. Like they don't need to bring back a dead character. Yeah, it's no, so forced it wasn't and it's clever. so silly. No, not so a, it's I like, almost... hey, I like I recorded this video just in case. It's like, <laughs> just... Wow, really? Like now yeah. you're just on a, a level of insane. uh i almost saw this movie in theaters um i was i was a youngin in in 2000 i was 15 at the time uh so we had our friend's parent buy us three tickets me and my friends and it was the only time i've ever seen this but they had the ticket taker was directly in front of the door so you had to walk up to that theater door and he would tear the ticket and let you in oh and i was i was like a tall kid with like facial hair at 15 so he tore my ticket and i walked in and then i'm standing in the back of the theater waiting for my other two friends oh, and eventually get to come in yeah eventually one comes in he's like hey i need you real quick and i'm like okay and i walk out and the ticket taker just goes oh he is not your dad <laughs> <laughs> oh, so i God, got kicked out of the theater too like i was like this is fucking bullshit you are the shitbag that would watch the movie <laughs> no i absolutely would have that sucks me you yeah, guys go to, go to the mall i'll catch up with you guys in an hour and 57 minutes <laughs> that is so funny oh my gosh <laughs> um there is one joke that still lands for me in this movie though uh, and it's when they're on the police station and Courtney Cox asks David Arquette if he has the numbers stored in his memory. And he looks up in the sky and she goes, your phone memory, you idiot. Oh my god! such a dumb joke. But Jake it made me calls mad. me David Arquette so much. Well, it's the mustache. Just like David Arquette in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, and, are you not going to be – you should be Deputy Dewey for Halloween. You've been you growing the mustache all year for it. I, I Dude, you could have just told me that's what you were going to do, and I would have mailed you my um, Woodsboro uh, outfit. I I used it three years ago. Listen. That's awesome. I'm I'm torn, and this is why like I don't really – it's weird because everyone asks me, like, you love horror movies. You love Halloween. How do you not have a costume? It's like – I love Halloween, but I don't like social gatherings, so I have no, <laughs> I have no need for a costume. But you get to be somebody <laughs> else. Yeah, I pretend to be someone else every week. <laughs> do, you know, do you know how happy I portray myself on this podcast? <laughs> yes, you do. Uh, the I only will... thing I don't like about the Scream, uh, post-Scream, actually – Aside from Scream 1 and Scream 4 is you can't call Scream 2 and Scream 3 a mystery because a mystery implies that there's some way that you could figure it out on your own. And it's like, <laughs> it's like a game of roulette. It's like, it's just this guy and don't ask questions. It makes sense. He's the killer. I know. Oh, well, I was going to say, it's actually really crazy to me because with two and three, like, I, I feel like I'm really dating myself. I mean, I'm not that much older. Like in 2000, I was 18 years old. But I mean, you know, like the internet, like at the end of the 90s was like, 
the thing. You're like, guys, we can go search for anything. And I remember I can check out this sweet angel fire site that tells me everything about Scream 3 before it comes yeah. out. <laughs> I, was, I can't believe you even said it. I was going to say Angel Fire is where I lived. <laughs> Dude, I made a- so many GeoCities websites oh, it's not Geo even funny. Oh my god. And I had my live journal back then. Uh, <laughs> oh my gosh. But I remember I just remember like being like consumed with like trying to figure out who the killer was going to be in screen two. Like I wanted to find out before I saw the movie, like I, like I felt like I could, I guess. And then with three, I remember, and even reading like on some of the behind the scenes, just how like Wes Craven had to shoot like four different endings and not tell everybody, which was the real ending. And like, they wouldn't let, it was like kind of like the first time that they started printing like the ending on red pages that the script couldn't be like scanned by anybody to like spoil the ending. Like all these, all these precautions they had to go through to like try and protect who the killer was in Scream Three because it got spoiled for Scream Two, and so the um, Billy's mom in Scream Two got spoiled, like it leaked online, and so they added the lame Timothy Oliphant thing to just have yeah. some kind of surprise, which was just the dumbest thing ever. Well, but- I'm like, I just remember, I feel like when I was a kid, it was always like, oh, in this one, it's going to be Sydney. Like she went crazy. Like that was always the internet rumor that I would hear. Yeah. And it just never makes sense to me, like ever. Never, yeah, never. You're just like, wait, what? Or like, I, I remember both two and three. Like, it came up like, this is where we're gonna find out. It was her dad. Yeah. Like, like, <laughs> what? Like that's weird. But well, that. And... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. No, go ahead. <laughs> well, I was gonna say like I remember the one the one rumor that came out for Scream Three that I really bought into was stoked on and wasn't totally disappointed when I saw this movie, even though I was just younger and probably just dumber but um everyone was talking about how like oh the killer in part three is going to tie back to part one and i just remember thinking like oh that's going to be rad and like the whole idea like, <laughs> it's, it's going to turn out to be someone that actually orchestrated like billy and Stu from the first movie and i was just like oh man this movie's going to be brilliant and it's um, not it's it not at not. all it was well, not and, like that's the thing it the timeline doesn't even make sense like like he's because okay brett you've made movies so like you can you can back this up a little bit you've got roman up there and he's like four years ago i found my mother mm-hmm that just in my head does not make mathematically sense that in four years he met the mom, got pissed off, videotaped her having sex with Billy's dad, got the videotape to Billy, Billy kills everybody, and they're making the third sequel to the film based on what happened back then. Like, that feels like a seven-year timeline, and somehow, yeah. based on that his storyline, it all happened in four years. You know, Roman's a go-getter, Matt. <laughs> take the easy road, and slow and steady wins the race. Not always. Not always. Sometimes you got to be a go-getter. The only thing that this movie should have had, which all the other ones did, was it should have had a second killer, because... <laughs> Then it will explain the things that are inexplainable. <laughs> <laughs> I never really like pieced that timeline together though in my head. And that like that's really ridiculous. Like, like, hey, Brett, like, welcome like, to being in Matt's head. He <laughs> wastes time on lots of brain power and time on hey, shit that you doesn't matter. <laughs> we all need someone that does that for us, and I'm really grateful for it. <laughs> oh, me too. Me too. I get to be a normal human. <laughs> So, but what's but what's crazy though is like let's set aside the fact that like there's no way that Hollywood did three movies in three years unless it's a Saw franchise. But then <laughs> the other thing is, is like 
I mean, what kind of creeper son are you that you're like, oh, mom, I finally found you. Don't worry. I'm going to be outside stalking you and videoing you through the window with your weird boyfriends. Totally love you, mom. <laughs> like, like, what is going on? So I will say that there's a few things that I will give positive comments to with Scream 3. There, okay, I good. Think, I have some too. I mean, there is some stuff I like, but yeah, yeah, go ahead. I think the scene where Sydney goes into the set of her room might be the best part in this movie. Um, I yes. think it's a genuinely well done scene. And I don't know if this was done intentionally or accidentally, but the set dresser, when she walks into the room where there used to be an Indigo Girls poster in the first movie is a Creed poster. Yeah. And you, I, you, I, you know exactly who orchestrated that Scott Stapp, yeah. who also but, did the soundtrack. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, as much, like, it could just be a happy accident, but I think that that little piece of information actually backs up everything else that this movie is about, where it's about how Hollywood keeps down women empowerment. So you have, you know, the Indigo Girls that represent musically women's empowerment and then you replace it with the most bro rock thing humanly possible and i i was like i you know it could just be a happy accident but i love that like little detail because i think it does back up what the movie's trying to be about and then i think the chase scene through the sets is really fun like i really like that chase I was actually going to be the one thing I wanted. Uh, you really just took the words out of my mouth, and that's hilarious to me. Because that whole set piece, <laughs> this, that whole thing agreed. Like when I was watching, I was like, this is really something special. Like this is the type of thing that only this movie could do, right? Like having Sydney walking through a recreation of her home and then the chase through the sets and everything. I remember going, this is really rad. Like even rewatching it, I was just like, man, this this just goes to show that they were sitting on something cool. They just didn't know what to do with it and they didn't do anything cool with it. Um, because even the, even the showdown when they're in like, it's not Roman's house in the end. It, it's supposed it, to be Lance oh, Harris. Lance, Lance Henderson's. Yeah. 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 John Milton's house or whatever the guy's name was. I mean, there's even a few like cool set pieces in there. Like they made that cellar seem really creepy, even though it was like way drawn out. But like I felt like that house felt creepier than any house I had seen Scream go to, and yeah. I just remember feeling like this is this is cool. It's just a shame it's all in this movie. Yeah. Up until the reveal of the killer, I think the third act really works better than the first two acts. Yeah, 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 like totally. And what and did then, you guys think of what did you guys think of Patrick Dempsey rewatching? That was so weird <laughs> that he was in this. I mean, I felt like the whole time. Because I remember really liking him in this movie, actually, because I just wasn't totally familiar with him. We're now in the context of having watched all Grey's Anatomy. I'm a, uh, I'm a, I'm a good husband. I, I try to participate when my wife watches it. Yeah, yeah. Um, That's what you it's do. Just, it's just weird. But what's funny is, like, I was watching it this time going, like, I feel like Wes Craven's direction to him was like, hey, like, every single line, it's like the subtext is you're trying to tell her with your eyes, I'm the killer. Yeah. <laughs> because, I like, first red herring. Like, yeah, he's like lingering looks on her, and he keeps like getting really close to her face and whispering, like, "Hey, so listen." It's kind of like, "Geez, who is this guy?" He's got a thing for her. Here's the issue: you said it yourself. They made four different endings that they shot, which means that they had to justify all four of those endings being a possibility to people. Can you so imagine I'm sure one of those endings? It's him. Can you imagine? He's like, he goes home. And he's like, hey, honey, so got some really rad news. Turns out <laughs> you can't tell anybody, you know, the Internet's ablaze. Angel fire's blowing up. 
but uh you know i'm pretty flattered uh they're making me the killer and then you go to the premiere <laughs> and you're like wait a second what <laughs> what and him like, be honestly he makes more sense as the killer than Roman does sure in the does, grand yeah. scheme of things. Yeah, no, <laughs> Roman is just so like, oh, it's just so disappointing. None of the none of the movies really ever hit the satisfaction of the reveal of the first movie. Like when you can't, you, you yeah. can't, you really can't. Like the bar is too high. And the truth is, is like if the second movie was just Billy's mom, um. I actually probably would have liked that better than what they ended up having to do. Cause I remember thinking that idea felt cool. Just it felt like in, it felt very meta, just the idea of kind of like paralleling like the Pamela Voorhees type thing where I was just like, okay, this is interesting. Or, you know, Norman Bates and just the whole idea of like tying, tying the imagery of a mother to the killer was just felt really iconic and homage to me. So I just remember thinking that was cool, but I was so distracted by how uncool everything else was. Yeah. 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 And scream Two, man. It's it, is a rough watch as an adult um yeah for, for me because even if you did fix the big twist and reveal at the end it doesn't retract that hour beforehand that is just yeah. not good no <laughs> you guys are being way too mean to this movie well, we're actually talking about scream 2 right now both this this franchise you're going to be too well, mean to this franchise. listen you can't you can't do a 10 out of 10 and then expect people not to expect you can't like well, Wes Craven can't expect people to be like, well, well, well I guess I can well, give this seven out of 10 a pass because the previous one was so goddamn good. Well, I, and think I think the that, big thing, the biggest thing is that I would argue that the fight, the third act of scream is one of the best third acts in any horror movie. And that made the bar for all of the other films third acts, and none yeah. of them ever achieved it. Very true. Well, you know what? You know what I think is here's my theory. Like having revisited all three of these, where I'm like, when you watch the first Scream, what's amazing to me for how long this movie has existed is how this movie still has a charm to it in the sense of this feels like a small town full of just small town people that just are aware of movies and love movies and this horrible things happening. Right. So like all the self-awareness feels cute. Whereas mm -hmm. it becomes the most famous movie of all time. And my theory is I just feel like all sequels suffer from sequelitis where they kind of, it's almost like, Oh wait, we are cool. Oh wow. cool. <laughs> so, when, so when I come, when I come to school next year, I can act like a cool guy now. And so, like, like, I feel like when you watch the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, like, they didn't know what they had with Jack Sparrow in the first movie. And then the second movie, it's all about, like, hey, guys, here he is again. And so the Scream movies already, like, just making a sequel, you run the risk of looking like a jerk for just knowing who you are now and just going, hey, remember when we were the number one movie last year and you loved yeah. us? Yeah. We're back, you know. But then, like, add on to that the fact that the movie is also self-aware makes it feel much. like yeah it makes it feel really self-important and it doesn't feel cute anymore and that was kind of my knee-jerk reaction to watching two and three where i'm like there's a lot that i can appreciate but the self-awareness now it isn't charming it feels like self-important important and kind of almost 
arrogant in a way just like oh yeah oh man movies like this do that we know that because we're the scream movies <laughs> yeah. like, well, that's what i feel i feel like wes craven and this is what i've been telling myself for years which is probably why i justify the entire franchise <laughs> wes craven is takes it so seriously with his scream movies that he's like okay this is the third one third ones are ridiculous third ones don't make sense Third ones are stupid, so I'm going to make a ridiculous, stupid, not making sense movie to make the <laughs> ultimate parody. And I and I stand by that. I stand. I, by I think the biggest issue with this movie is that it's the only one out of the four that Kevin Williamson didn't write the screenplay for, and it yeah. it shows like it, it yeah because it doesn't have the like it doesn't have the snappy dialogue. It doesn't have the like. S- <sighs> Trying to think how to wear this. The it doesn't have the pacing. Wrong. Yeah. Even like with Scream 2, I love Scream 2. But like with Scream 2, there's still a little like it's referential without slapping you in the face with how meta it's being. Uh, I would Not, say it does slap compared, you in the face, man. But compared to like this and part, oh, yeah. like like this, it's just like all up in your business about it. Um, Scream 2 at least is still a little... It's not much more meta than the first one in that way. But this one, it's just like, we're making Stab 3 and they're following the script to Stab 3. Uh-oh. Changing the script. Yeah. So so I I have two things that I want to say. Well, one big thing about Maureen and Sydney, and then... Since we've been spending so much time talking about meta horror, I really want to talk about You Might Be the Killer. So we'll get there. That's fine. Um, yeah, let's wrap this up and get into that because yeah. I can't imagine we can say that much more about Scream. No, but I, here, <laughs> here's my biggest problem with this movie. And I know that we're a comedy podcast, but I got to take it back a notch, take it down a notch here for a sec. I really don't like the, Here's the thing that I mean, like, I can forgive the pacing, the goofiness, the the runtime the just i can forgive most of this shit because we watch a lot of garbage right but the thing that really is the absolute nail in the coffin for me of scream 3 is that one they have this concept which is a really misogynistic concept that maureen prescott was ruined by being used by a bunch of hollywood execs when she was in her 20s and um I understand that sexual assault and and it, it, it's is life changing and terrible but it really the concept that that made her a slut, like that's literally what Roman said, is fucked up, and I hate yeah. it. And it's like that they're that, that that a woman is tarnished, like that that only if you're in a monogamous mar- relationship for your entire life are you a, a can you be a good woman? And and since she she was taught that that sex is just a thing that she couldn't be, you know, like faithful to her husband. I mean, it's just fucking. It really rubs me the wrong way. So there, that yeah. really sucks, and I hate that. Second of all, they completely take away Sydney's power at the very end of this because she doesn't kill Roman. Dewey does. So she is a total badass at the very end of this. She, like, stabs the fuck out of him. And then, of course, as is typical in Scream fashion, he gets back up and he's like, ah, stupid. And then, so Dewey's shooting him in the bulletproof vest, and she goes, Dewey, in the head. And then he, you know, like, how, how, is, how is a bulletproof vest going to save you from getting stabbed, first of all? And second yeah. of all, if you're going to have Sydney, if this is going to be the ultimate end 
to the series. Give Sydney that power. Give her the ability to finally kill the end of the lineage. Not give it to a man. I don't know. That just bugs the shit out of me. I support all that. No, I get that. I I totally get that. I also feel like, like if I were to wrap up my thoughts on Scream 3, is it say... I mean, I don't really know if anyone can wrap it up better than that. I think that's so poignant. Like, <laughs> well, really you, right on. I really do. Like, and I agree with all that. And it is like, it's just funny how it's, it is a product of its time and not in a good way. Like yeah. all of those things show. And like you guys said already, like even the fact that it's like produced by the Weinsteins, it's just like, it's, it casts such a like sickly glow over the movie that you're like, oof. but I also just in general, like for anyone trying to make movies, I have, I mean, I, it's so hard to make a movie about Hollywood and I hate it whenever people do it. Like, it's just to me, like, it's such an inside joke. It is. Yeah. It's not for the audience. It's for the, the, it's not for the audience. And that's what kills me is like scream one is the epitome of a, for the audience movie. And I feel like scream two benefits from that in the sense like, well, we all go to college or, you know, we all are like going into like education. Like we, it's not a leap to follow that. Like that's a yeah. world that's relatable. But then like once they left the Hollywood, I just, every time I just kind of roll my eyes at these things. It just feels like, <laughs> so that one city in the country where they do this, this movie's for you guys. And only the people that are actually in the industry. Yeah. It's just a ton of inside jokes that I'm just like, I feel like in middle America where they're watching it, like half of them are just going like, what are they talking about? Having to sleep with people for roles. Is that a thing? <laughs> You know, like it just feels and like it's not a, educational. Yeah, you know, it's, it's not. not like educating us plebs over in, you know, flyover states. It starts to it starts to feel like it falls way more in the direction of like feeling self-important, you yeah. know, just like, oh, yeah, look how cool this is and how cool what we do is. And it's just always I don't know. I always have this really weird knee jerk reaction to like, I'm going to write this movie or this scene about a guy on the phone with his agent, but let me pause from writing the scene. Cause I have to hop on the phone with my with actual my agent. agent. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I just, like, I just don't like it. It just bothers me so much. So it's, it kind of, it's kind of fighting a losing battle for me from the offset just by being that, but then you're absolutely right. Like on top of that, the messaging of the movie is like even worse. It's <laughs> just like, Oh God. So <laughs> just skip and go straight to four, I guess. Yeah, four is fun as hell. Four is great. Yeah, four is, four is, four is I only incredible. Have, four is incredible until one scene, and I know we're not on here to talk about it, but I have to get this off my chest because I think four was the most brilliant horror movie I had ever seen until they screwed it up. It was um, when she, when Emma Roberts is getting wheeled off in the gurney. Mm-hmm. and she and you know they're like trying to interview her and like oh my god and they're portraying her as the victim i i like almost got on my feet in the theater i was like if they cut the credits so help me god i'm gonna slow clap for the next 30 minutes I'm just gonna stand <laughs> here and i'm going to slow clap because just i was like this is going to be like the ballsiest raddest most meta like this is going to be the craziest ending to anything I've ever seen, and it's going to be like the ultimate tip of the hat to scream. And then, as soon as she is in the hospital in Sydney, and, and um, Gail Weathers oh, came in, when, and I was when like, it turns into no. Doctor Giggles for ten minutes. Yep. Yes. yes. <laughs> and then, like, and then they end up subduing her, and then it's all just a happy ending all over again. And I was just kind of like, 
Oh, I mean, <laughs> you I had a good I, thing and you fucked it up. <laughs> I know. And I forgive it for that reason. But I, when I watched that movie, I actually stopped it. <laughs> really? like when she's on the gurney i just i just turn it off because that's my ending i'm just like we, oh that's actually um we're gonna call that the director's cut but we're not going to say which director <laughs> yeah. and it's not really a cut more than a stop it's the director's <laughs> you but, um, cut you cut a portion of the movie out let's call it a cut but, but here's the thing here's the thing so i listened to kevin williamson and he did an interview like like months after scream 4 where he said that was the ending of the movie and everything after that in the hospital with Sydney and Gail showing up, it just felt like it was tacked on by the studio. And he confirmed mm. that that's exactly what it was. Like wow. he was like the intention of the movie always was for Emma Roberts to get away with it. And then if they made a Scream 5, Scream 5 was going to be all about her trying to continue getting away with it in the midst of a copycat killer. So the whole idea of like someone else is trying to copy what she did, but them getting caught could threaten her getting caught. So now she has to try and figure out who it is and stop them in order to not get caught herself. And I was like, dude, this is unbelievable. And the studio just came in and screwed the whole thing up and just like, ugh. but at the same time, it's brilliant. <laughs> Sorry. And, and there you go. Scream four. I'm All right. It's so- like the curse. Maybe the producer's cut is better than, than, uh, we need more of the actresses having sex with the rich men more of that (laughs) um so talking about meta horror and and you know all of that stuff there couldn't have been a better movie for us to have you on so let's talk a little bit about you might be the killer but let's each let me just waste three seconds of everyone's time uh, Cotton Weary is played by Liv Shriver, who's in Spotlight with Michael Keaton, who is Beetlejuice. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so my preamble about You Might Be the Killer is much what I'm sure that Matt has already told Brett, is that it's super cool. It is so good. Um, I was like texting or messaging Matt as I was watching it and just like filleting it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and I just like if you guys it, guys listening, if you like metal horror, you got to find a way to watch. You might be the killer however you can, because um, you know that uh, behind the mask, the rise of Leslie Vernon used to be my favorite modern meta horror. It is now pushed down a peg. You might be the killers above it. There oh, you that's go. awesome. You're too generous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Uh, but yeah, it's just a, it's a smart screenplay. Every person I even tell the general premise to of, you know, basically, yeah, this guy finds a bunch of dead camp counselors and then can't remember if he killed them or not. People are like, oh my God, I want to watch that like right now. That's, <laughs> like, awesome. then... That's a way better pitch than I have. That's so much better. <laughs> <laughs> but like it, it just, it's such an interesting twist and scott said this when when he was talking to me about it but he goes i love this because it's super meta without really shoving anything in my face about it being meta that's how you have to do it naturally there yeah it's like it's not wink wink nudge nudging you because that's what is wrong with meta horror for me is that the worst way you can do it is be like hey guys we're in on the joke or hey guys remember that other movie we're gonna talk about it here Whereas all I feel like all the references in You Might Be the Killer are they, they don't detract from the actual story. That's awesome, dude. Even even the Halloween 2018, um, the references are and Easter eggs are everywhere, and I think that that is great, but also somewhat a detriment. Whereas sure. like it, it's just it's a really thin line that you have to to just walk 
between being too much and not enough. And it's very, I mean, it's, it's a huge credit to everyone involved with you might be the killer because bigger movies were not able to do it this year. Dang. Well, thank you. I mean, to be honest, like it, it was, it was something that I, I was sweating quite a bit um, because I feel that all, I feel all the same ways, you know, I was like, dude, as soon as it feels like we're winking at the audience or like, just kind of like being like kind of sticky about it, like it's just going to be lame and we're going to lose everybody. And like the only, the only thing I, I knew to do with the story to make it work was hinge it on these two friends, Sam and Chuck, because I like, we've all, we all love these. We all love watching horror movies and we all love talking to them about our friends. And if we were in this situation, we all know which friend we would call and we could all, all and we could probably all imagine how that conversation would probably go. Right. Yeah. And I was like, and if any of the winking isn't at the audience, but it's at each other or like any of the, any of the jokes are more aimed at teasing each other or just more just, stemming from their relationship and their chemistry with each other. I was like, then it will probably work better, but it was all a theory at the time. I didn't know. And I was just like freaking out because I was like, God, dude, like, I just don't want this to be some cheesy like joke of a movie. So I was really glad to find out that it's been working for people because that was important to me as well. Well, and I said this to you at fantastic fest, but I want to say it on this just because in the grand scheme of things, people are always going to listen to the main episodes more than the bonus episodes. And mm-hmm. I want it to be known that the the visual style that you went with with this movie of everything that takes place at the camp having this grainy film look, but everything that takes place on the other side of the phone call being a modern, pristine camera shot is so fucking cool. And I, I think it awesome. really helps differentiate what's happening in the movie for people. Thanks, man. I I was so impressed when you like noticed that I, you know, I like since, since you and I sat, you know, I've been going through the festival circuit touring around with the movie a little bit. And, um, that's only come up one other time. Like I, and even then, like it was someone more just kind of guessing and no one, like no one really saw it the way that you saw it. And I'm like, dang that man, man, he noticed. <laughs> it's, it's awesome. And it is 100% true. Like I just felt like the, the, as long as the camp feels like the gritty campground slasher that we love pulling off our VHS shelf, you know, but then the comic store, comic store looks more like, you know, kind of like a John Hughes, like he's <laughs> like rom-com. Like, I feel like we're, we're helping the audience a little bit, but I just, I still can't believe you noticed that. That was so amazing to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only reason I brought it up. I wanted to compliment again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hooray for me. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, so, so what's the, so where are people going to be able to see the movie? Um, Is there any news of a DVD release? I know it's on sci-fi every once in a while. Yeah, so it's airing again on, I mean, not that it matters in this podcast, it's airing on October 29th um, again. And then um, it is on the sci-fi, it's on sci-fi's on demand and on their app. Um, but I guess that's regional. So that sounds really spotty and, and lame. <laughs> it is going to be, um, streaming. Um, I'm not, I don't know when that announcement is being made because there's a chance it might not be announced by the time this podcast is live. So I, I, I don't know what the dates are, but I still hesitate kind of going into too much detail, but I, I will say that it will be easily accessible on a streaming service that you probably already have. <laughs> <laughs> that makes that. me very happy. 
And, yeah, um, I, I hope so, because I haven't been able to find it, and it's been very upsetting. I have it now that I can watch on my computer, but when I heard it was on the sci-fi app, I was like, nice, I have Hulu, and they shouldn't even call it the sci-fi app. Just call it Battlestar Galactica, because that's all. <laughs> that's that's hilarious. Battlestar Galactica. <laughs> hey, do you guys got the Battlestar Galactica app? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Get but this, I know that, get this yeah. slasher shit off my Battlestar Galactica app. <laughs> yeah, it's like guys, there's this really weird movie on my Battlestar Galactica app. Like in the middle of season three, and then all of a sudden I was in this camp. And um, <laughs> what was it? The uh, so yeah, it'll be on a stream, and then um, it will be it'll be getting a Blu-ray, VOD, like iTunes release. Um, that's all in conjunction with the streaming release. And again, okay. like I don't know exactly when that's happening. I just know that that it all is happening and is all in motion and is all going to be sooner rather than later. Nice. So, I'm uh, just excited to put it on my DVD shelf. That's like my biggest awesome. goal right Thanks. now. So. I appreciate that. You know, it's been funny kind of looking at poster art. Cause I don't know if you guys have seen the poster art that exists, but um, I made it for fantastic fest cause we needed a poster. And so I was like, all right, I'm going to make a poster. And, um, and now like we've been getting all this like kind of potential cover art for the DVD release. And I'm like, guys, like I look like a real arrogant jerk, but please just use my poster. <laughs> I, just, I really don't like the stuff that's coming out. Anyways, I've already gone on record as saying that. So I don't mind going on record again. Oh my God. Like, I, I, the I the one I'm... that's like the, you did the, the one that looks like the eighties uh, style. Yeah. 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 It looks like that's it's drawn. It's Why like, would anybody you. argue with you about using that? Because you know, I feel like the new thing with posters is like, okay, cool, we're going to get a, all of their headshots standing in a line with a killer behind them, and that's it. <laughs> like, right. Like and how Scream it. had like the same fucking poster yeah. every year. It was just like, here's the cast. <laughs> like, not Scream 4. That's true. <laughs> Scream not Scream 4. 4. What was the poster for Scream 4? I'm trying to it remember. It was the knife yeah, was into like the ghost face. Yeah. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's right. It was a dope poster, actually. I like the yeah. Scream 4 poster. Uh, all right. Well, go and check out You Might Be the Killer uh, when and if it is available on a streaming service at this time. Uh, if it isn't, it will be soonish. Um, soonish. I'm really <laughs> glad that I could give you guys really detailed information. <laughs> I really hope I was helpful. Hey, guys. Didn't mean to interrupt this fantastic episode of us talking about Scream 3 with Brett Simmons from well, the director of might be the killer but i just wanted to let you guys know that if you head over to the patreon page patreon.com backslash hmn podcast you're gonna find the newest patreon episode for arena the star wars rocky combo movie also it's important to note that on there is also the fear street pit show that we uh put an episode on the feed maybe two months ago where we try to come up with movie adaptations for Fear Street books based strictly on the cover, since none of us have read any of the books. And coming soon to the feed in 2019, we'll be doing more Goosebumps and Are You Afraid of the Dark episodes. We've done a few of those for the feed, and we're going to make those Patreon exclusives. So if you haven't yet, go over to patreon.com backslash HMN podcast and join all of the bonus feature fun. We're here to entertain you. We'll sing your songs. Hey there. 
Are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Soon you'll be swaying, so come on, sing along. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Past the Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. And now back to the episode. What was your guys' double features for Scream 3? And Brett, we'll, we'll save you for less so that we can kind of give you a, a rough idea. I'll okay, start. Cool. No, I was going to steal yours. Just Go for it then, me. Brian. Go for it. What do you steal? <laughs> I don't know if it was actually going to be yours. But this takes place on a set okay. of a movie. Um, and Brett mentioned oh, that anytime gosh, you do that, it's terrible. You're... But he's he's actually wrong. There's one time that it is a complete bonkers masterpiece. But what Scream 3 should have done was made it a movie inside of a movie AKA Terra Firmer, and that's what we would watch. <laughs> that was not one of my picks, oh. but that's a great one. Um, I was going to go with something that I still think is one of the most painfully underappreciated slasher movies of all time. Uh, it's three. It's, <laughs> it's, it's not quite on a movie set, but it's a slasher film that takes place inside of a movie theater, and it's 1991's Popcorn. I knew that was going to be your pick. Uh. I love popcorn so much. <laughs> so I'm going to go a little bit different. And we have talked about this previously where um, I'm going to I'm going to be like, OK, I've seen Scream 3, but I haven't seen the double feature. So we're going to take a chance on something. Anguish. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. the one with Zelda Rubenstein. And it's OK. Uh, that's, that's Anguish, right? Uh, I think so. Brett, I've never seen it. You, you, you know what I'm talking I've about? I've never seen Anguish. No, it's this guy. It's, it's this theater watching horror movie and then there's people getting killed in the theater and it's kind of like nightmare of a damaged brain where the guy's like not all there but yeah i, I thought it was called anguish but let me look up zelda rubenstein well that's what no. that's what i'm doing did it, as come out, did it come out in 1987 yes is that anguish yeah yeah okay, i wasn't zelda wrong but wonderful yeah it's 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 on my very very long list for horror movie night <laughs> she that's uses awesome telepathic powers to send her middle-aged son on a killing spree is the tagline so they really spoiled it right there in the tagline. Yeah, it's supposed to be a surprise, but okay. I actually was writing down popcorn. I haven't seen popcorn either. And I'm looking this up and I'm like, dude, this looks amazing. Oh, popcorn is oh, so good. It's stupid fun. It's so good. The cast is awesome. I got to watch this thing. Dang. <laughs> this is awesome. Hey, my, I, I feel like scream three like just being like a really bad meta sequel that takes place on a film set should be paired with another really bad meta sequel that takes place on a film set 
So I was going to say that you should watch this with Urban Legends Final Cut. Oh, nice. <laughs> and and then afterwards, you can decide which was the stinker. <laughs> you know, it's like, <laughs> like when you put two turds next to each other, you know, it's like, which one is the worst one? <laughs> I haven't seen Urban Legends Final Cut, but as movies tend to go, they get worse as they go on. And I've seen Urban Legends, and I can only imagine how. Yeah, bad <laughs> same. All right. Have you guys seen Urban Legends Bloody Mary? No, no. I've only seen Urban Legend, which is like you want to talk about this movie and like, oh, that doesn't make sense. How how Rowan did all that. How a 110 pound girl did everything that she did in Urban Legends absolutely blows my mind. It also is the most ridiculous thing because it feels like, even like I was like younger and I still was going, wow, this feels like producers really reacting to Scream. I'm going to base all my motivation off of movies. And then they go, hey, do you know what else someone could base their motivation off of? Something way more complicated urban legends it's like the dumbest thing i can't believe that movie exists but the reason i say it is because it's horrible final cut is also horrible um bloody mary was written by mike doherty and, oh shit and you what have no, you have no idea how good that movie is like you're gonna really? you are going i mean to i kind of do because mike shot. doherty just hits home runs in my eyes hey guys oh, man, guys i, I, think he I got an it. idea we do bloody mary for horror movie night but we don't watch it beforehand don't like i mean like we watch it like day of and then then record because i feel like if it's something that none of us have seen and it's getting a glowing review it could be a fucking fun time yeah i'm yeah, down no, for I'd be, look he made one of my favorites he did let me down with krampus but doesn't matter he's still like trying to treat so i forget <laughs> should have been R. There's it should a, have been R. There's a lot to like about Krampus. It did yeah. let me down a little bit too, but it also like exceeded my expectations. It was like such a mixed bag for me. No pun intended. <laughs> um, but yeah, I really like Mike. Find more you guys got to see that. And you might be the killer. <laughs> <laughs> more jokes in my movie. That's awesome. Uh, all right. Well, that was Scream Three, as picked by Brian. So thanks a thanks a ton. Uh, we're not getting off the movie sets just yet. Next week we'll be talking about another slasher film that takes place at a movie set. Uh, so stay tuned to see what that is. Uh, in the meantime, check out our website hmnpodcast.com or you know send us some emails at hmnpodcast at gmail.com. Or just hang out on our Facebook page. It's a fucking dope place. And people post crazy shit in there all the time. And I kind of love it. So thank you once again for listening. Thank you again, Brett, for joining us. Check out his movie, You Might Be the Killer. It's possibly on a streaming device at this moment. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, And we'll be back next week. Entertain you. We'll sing your song. 
Hey there, are you obsessed with things that happened before your time? Well, if you are, join me, the host of Before My Time, Gelsey Laurie, to discuss the wonders of the yesteryears that we weren't around to enjoy ourselves. You can find us on all podcast platforms. Do you like to laugh, geek out on music, and learn all about that band or artist who had that one song back in the day, but then seemed to fall off the face of the earth? If so, you need to subscribe to One Hit Thunder. Together with an array of interesting and hilarious guests, we do a weekly dive into one-hit wonders like Eiffel 65's Blue, Crayshon's Gucci Gucci, EMF's Unbelievable, Delamitri's Roll to Me, Los Del Rio's Macarena, Musical Youth's Pass to Duchy, and even Patrick Swayze's She's Like the Wind. So are you subscribed to One Hit Thunder or what? As Desiree would say, you gotta be. And as K7 would encourage, you gotta come baby come and join in on the fun of the One Hit Thunder podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 